Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I'm your host, Adam Porches, joined again by Matt Smith. Hey, everybody. This is the, like... First intro you're going to Yeah, hear you're going to hear another intro because this week is a special week because, well, we're just going to be reviewing Batman uh, versus Superman, the Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. It's tough to get it all right, uh, correct, and whatever. Uh, so Matt joined us over on uh, Hear Movie Podcast. So if you heard the Hear Movie Podcast one, guess what? You're probably going to hear the same thing again. So, But first of all, thank you for listening to that, and thank you for waiting for us uh, as uh, scheduling has been uh, quite all over the place for our recording as of late. But you're getting all the episodes that we promised we promise uh yes. so there's all of that in there and we'll be back next uh you know uh you'll you'll hear this you will, next week yeah so next week i'm trying to figure out how we're gonna separate all this crap correctly <laughs> and it's still it's like playing chess in your mind it's like i gotta see the board in front of me uh but we'll be talking about all the regular stuff come next week and uh frankly i think superman's gonna hit it again because next week's schedule does not look super hot but you know whatever Anyways, so we'll talk about that kind of stuff and everything, but uh, so sit back and listen to uh, this episode of Hero Movie Podcast. It's just like the film find, except less cursing. So, you know, come back next week for, you know, cursing. <laughs> More cursing. More uh, goddamn cursing, you motherfuckers. Fucking right. Uh, so enjoy the show, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hero Movie Podcast, your greatest source for superhero movie discussion in the multiverse. I am your host, Adam Portress, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Sean Kanan. Heidi thinks that Lex Luthor and Zod's baby look stupid. <laughs> Bruce Leslie? I'm a prickly pear, and it ain't 1938. You can't buy an apple for a nickel. No, you cannot, and nor can you buy your... I don't know. This movie made a lot of money at the box office this weekend. I was really trying to parlay that into something, but Bruce and I, we don't we don't exchange jabs before we start this thing. I don't know what he was going to say. And I, I I'll you be came honest. Up short there, came, up, came short. up short. I screwed it up, and that's my bad. I apologize, and we'll move on from there. But and something tells me that in the depression, a nickel got you more than an apple, if you know what I mean. <laughs> An apple and how do you do? Uh, speaking of how do you do, uh, let's say how do you do to uh, my co-host over on the Film Find, Matt Smith. Welcome uh, to the show, sir. Guys, I'm so happy I'm here, and I probably uh, I promise that I will not fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's uh, as as any of you who have listened to the film find uh, it can get a, a rather um, salty, if you will, uh, over there from time to time. So uh, you know, we're gonna try to be on our best behaviors here. Uh, but yeah, so we we've got a lot of to to say about uh, our review this week: Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. See, I got the whole title right this time. I'm kind of proud of myself. Good job, Ooh. man. And, you should uh, be a court bailiff. Yeah, outside of that, I should be like, what was what was the guy's name in uh, Night Court? Bull? Bull. bull. Come little, on, it's Bull. Little Bull. bull. Look, I haven't watched an episode of Night Court in probably 20 years, so. Stop denying yourself. That's Do true. something just, for you for a change. And just for the record, Richard Mole was my first choice for Lex Luthor. Ooh, it was for all of us, I think. Uh, but uh, He's a little so, tall. All the uh, Batmans and Supermans would have been too short for him, I think. Probably, uh, but so we're gonna be talking about this uh, movie, and it made a it made it made a good chunk. What they did we say Warner's largest opening at this point? Yes, their largest yeah. opening weekend. It passed uh, Deathly Hollows Part Two from the Harry Potter uh, franchise. Take that, Mister Potter. 
Uh, so yeah, man. So we're gonna be talking about uh, old old Zack Snyder's yet another entry into his DC universe, and I say his DC universe because this cat is just running the table, man. It's kind of what he's doing. He's doing this, and then like he starts shooting the Justice League movie in April. So there's no time resting, man. They're gonna run him like the Russo brothers, man. But at least with the Russo brothers, there's, there's two of them. Two of them. <laughs> what's the What's the line of, uh, in an observing report? If God kills one, he left me with another one, or something like that. So <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna be doing that uh, this week and everything. And uh, again, we uh, we want to thank you guys for uh, tuning in and uh, listening and everything. Just, just a reminder: we have our 100th episode coming up very very shortly here, and uh, we'd like to hear some feedback from you guys. Uh, you know, we're gonna we've got some feedback for you that you talked about this movie on our Facebook page and everything. Facebook.com/slash Your Movie Podcast. Um, but you know, we'd like to read a little something. However, you got into listening to the show or whatever. Uh, you Question, know. questions, comments, yeah. recommendations, suggestions, stories, all of those. And uh, what's the email address there, Adam? It's HeroMoviePodcast at gmail dot com. Super, and super that's simple. Gmail with one L. With one L, and one G. After that, you're on your own because I'm not good at spelling. <laughs> we all have learned that from the past. Uh, so okay, so like I said, uh, let's you know, let's let's waste no time, gentlemen, because I got me a good feeling that we're gonna have a lot to say about this movie. So uh, let's get out of the way. Here is the trailer for Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Master Wayne, thermal imaging is showing me two dozen hostiles on the third floor. Why don't I drop you off on the second? I'm getting slow in my old age, Alfred. Even you got too old to die young, not for lack of trying. He has the power to wipe out the entire human race. If we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. God versus man. Day versus night. You're psychotic. That is a three-syllable word for any thought too big for little minds. I know a few women like you. I don't think you've ever known a woman like me. That was the trailer for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, our new release review of this week. And could there be a trailer that sounds more Zack Snyder than that? I don't think there could be. 
Here's the uh, IMDb plot line. By the way, kids, uh, they're going to be spoilers throughout this entire thing. From uh, my the numbers, like we said, with the box office, chances are you probably saw this. But if uh, you didn't, uh, spoilers from here on out because <laughs> the bozo who wrote this thing just you know has you know I mean granted they're not big spoilers but whatever. All right, so hey, Fury, you know they fight. They fight. They fight. Um, and I, I they wish, fight. They fight. They fight. I wish Ken Watanabe would have been there. It'd have been amazing then. Okay, so here's IMDb plotline. As we know, IMDb always 100% correct in everything they say and or dear do. Fearing the uh, actions Superman left, uh, actions of Superman are left unchecked. Batman takes on the Man of Steel while the world wrestles with the with what kind of hero it actually is. That really shouldn't be like that. With Batman and Superman fighting each other, a new threat, Doomsday, is created by Lex Luthor. It is up to Superman and Batman to set aside their differences, along with Wonder Woman, to stop Lex Luthor and Doomsday from destroying Metropolis. Uh, before we get into this, we've talked Superman on this uh, here podcast before, so I wonder where Mr. Bruce Leslie is going to take us with our comic book connection this week. Well, I, I want to start with a little excerpt from a comic that I looked at this weekend. Uh, we could have changed the world. Now look at us. I've become a political liability, and you, you're a joke. I want you to remember, Clark, in all the years to come, in your most private moments, I want you to remember my hand at your throat. I want you to remember the one man who beat you. And, of course, that's from Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, Batman and Superman have clashed many times in the comics. It kind of seems like Newton's fourth law of physics dictates that there have to be at least one two-page spread of bats and soups having to pose down at least once a year. Uh, now, it's usually the result of mind control or some other misunderstanding, but the definitive face-off between the two was in 1986 in the final pages of The Dark Knight Returns. It had the heroes in the twilight of their careers coming at odds with one another thanks to the natural evolution of the respective ideologies. It had Batman wearing a battle suit that's very well replicated in this Batman versus Superman movie. It has a kryptonite projectile weakening Superman so that Batman can literally stomp on the Kryptonian. In the comic, Batman solicits help from a one-armed Oliver, Oliver Queen, uh, but unfortunately in Batman versus Superman, Stephen Amell is nowhere to be found. That is, uh, other than the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trailer that ran before the movie. Uh... <laughs> But the, oh, you're an idiot. the epic battle between the two heroes is not the only thing that uh, this movie lifted directly from the Frank Miller classic whole cloth. About 10 pages into the first Dark Knight Returns issue, we read Alfred saying, I'm hoping the next generation of the Wayne family shan't face an empty wine cellar, though given your social schedule of late, the prospects of there being a next generation you know, ends with an ellipse. And uh, if I were Alfred, I'd be more worried about all the shots to the crotch that Batman's taken over the years rather than his social schedule when it comes to offspring. Uh, but so what if the wine cellar is empty? Because Damien's a teetotaler anyway. <laughs> now, the flashback to Batman's parents' murder is obviously storyboarded from the same scene in The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, we've got little details like the positioning of the gun inside Martha Wayne's pearls, the style of mustache on Thomas Wayne's face. Uh, but unfortunately, Zorro on the movie marquee was replaced with the classic 1981 film Excalibur. Now, Batman has an encounter with a rookie cop who's never seen him before and a veteran who knows to stand back and watch the show. Uh, Superman even gets blasted by a nuclear missile in space, turning him into a zombie before the rays of the yellow sun restore him. I could go on. There are plenty more nuggets that came from the comic story that along with Watchmen served as the one-two punch that would change the nature of superhero comics forever. Uh, the other story 
that had a significant influence on this movie was, uh, to be polite, something less critically acclaimed than The Dark Knight Returns. And of course, that is The Death of Superman by Dan Jurgens and Louise Simonson. Uh, this story arc is really best known for two things. Uh, speculators wrongly thinking it was going to make them set for life and uh, Dan Jurgens' introduction of the Kryptonian beast Doomsday. Now, Doomsday was Dan Jurgens' way of trying to answer the age-old question of what would happen if Superman fought the Hulk. Uh, Doomsday is born from the depths of ancient Krypton. His creator imbued him with a few feelings, mostly hate and destruction, which led to him destroying worlds and eventually finding Earth where he meets Superman. Now, in a cruel experiment involving evolution that's intended to create the perfect living being, uh, an alien scientist named Bertrand releases a humanoid infant that was born in a test tube in a lab experiment onto the hostile surface of Krypton, where he's promptly killed by the harsh environment. The baby's remains are collected and used to clone a stronger version. This process is repeated over and over for decades as a form of accelerated natural evolution. The agony of these repeated deaths was recorded in Doomsday's genes, driving the creature to hate all life. Eventually, Doomsday puts the death in the death of Superman. And for those of you keeping score at home, Doomsday dies as well, meaning that Jurgen's answer to the Superman versus Hulk question is mutually assured destruction. And huh, who would think that a writer who lived through the entirety of the Cold War would have arrived at that conclusion? <laughs> anyway, at the root of it all, Doomsday is a one-note character who exists for only one purpose and is only known for one thing. So when he shows up, something is certain. Superman is going to die. So when I first saw the Doomsday trailer, I kind of knew how this movie was going to end. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It's just like, and that's what so sucked about it. You've seen it in the uh, one of the first trailers that they did there, or probably second or third, whatever. Uh, and you see it, and it's just like, boom, here's Doomsday. And you're just like, well, we know where this is going. I mean, and what was kind of surprising me is how many people in the theater didn't know where it was going. I mean, a lot of people seemed to be in disbelief when we got there. I mean, I guess, but my gosh, I mean, that was like, like you said, that story was everywhere, man. I mean, like you went to the comic shop when it had, you know, the little black Mylar bag and all that crap. Mm -hmm. And, you <laughs> yeah. know, there were 8 billion people there who never would darken the doors of comic book shops, you know, prior there to. I saw yeah. a kid, I, I saw this movie with a uh, about an eight-year-old kid behind me. He was horrified <laughs> by the end of this. He was com he was completely broken by the end of this. I mean, he was like he was like he was doing the thing where like where kids when they're when they're not just out out and out bawling. He's doing the <laughs> he's doing that thing there, <laughs> which means that uh, Zack Snyder has killed yet another child's dreams. Oh, <laughs> ain't that a shame? But that's mm -hmm. what it was, man. There were all these people in there, and it's just, <laughs> look at this give her a kid. Where's your Superman now? <laughs> Getting in his face. <laughs> like this little kid grows up to just like just you know abuse animals and stuff. It's like why? What happened? These people just started tormenting him about Superman when he died in 1994. Because <laughs> Zack Snyder killed Superman. That's why. I, that's why I killed all these people, officer. Yeah, I watched it with a guy. He was an older gentleman, and he said he hadn't been to the movies since Star Trek II because it broke his heart to see Spock die. <laughs> This should, should raise my spirits yet Great again. Great choice for your comeback viewing. No, 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 no. Uh, so yeah, man, this movie, like, despite its, uh, you, know, you know, not so hot critic rating, it made a boatload of money at the box office and everything. Before we get into that, though, let's do, uh, because this is kind of the, we'll say, 
second, if you will, uh, in the DC universe, if we can call it that at this particular point. I suppose that we can. Yeah, they're, they're, Warner Brothers is calling it the DC Extended Universe. Uh, so yeah, well, they, need, they need to call it something. There are only 4,000 movies coming out between now and 2020. Yeah, good luck with that, pal. Uh, three a year for the next <laughs> two or three years. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get into where we think that might Ooh. be going in the future and everything. But, uh, so yeah, this is like, so we had man of steel and this is the follow up to that and everything. But as the, uh, as the title suggests there, Batman is the first name on it. And this is more of a Batman story. Thus furthering my degree that Snyder hates Bat or hates Superman, but we'll get into that in a, in a moment. But let's get a quick kind of round about what everybody thought of Man of Steel before we kind of uh, get going. Uh, Matt, let's start with you. Really, you want to start with me I don't on care. Man of Steel? Yeah, why not? You're, we're all um, going to be probably saying close to the same thing. You're I our like, guest. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, so I like uh, some of that movie and dislike a whole lot of it, but overall, I'm uh, just ambivalent. I guess. It's all right. I, I, I'm not a hater. I'm not a big Superman fan. So like all the things that Superman fans hated about it, I didn't care uh, at all. Um, I guess that's my general feeling. I really like the Krypton stuff that uh, apparently Superman fans hated. <laughs> like all that like weird sci-fi fantasy stuff. Like, like Jor-El riding a dragon? Yeah, I thought all that stuff was really cool. Because <laughs> right? honest to God, uh, that's what he does. He drives a Kryptonian dragon through the video yeah, game. Yeah, all, all that I thought was great. And then uh, and then Zack Snyder shows up trying to make like an actual movie out of this. And we're just <laughs> like, well, here we go. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I like that first 30 minutes. And, uh, it, you know, it leads into Superman all right, I guess. But I'm with you. Uh I really get the feeling from that movie that Zack Snyder hates Superman. And uh, after reading several interviews where he talks about Superman and especially fan reaction to how that movie uh, plays out in the end with just so many deaths, uh, I don't think he understands Superman at all. No, and uh, I think that continues with this movie. Yeah, I think Or maybe he's the only one on Earth who does understand oh, Superman. Snap. Oh, oh, snap. It well, is. Uh, interestingly the enough, tables have turned. Interestingly enough, to that point, uh, I made some comment online when I was talking about Zack Snyder not, in, not understanding Superman. And uh, uh, I called him, um, uh, what was it, the paragon of American morality, right? Uh which is like the ideal that Superman's supposed to be, right? All right. Um, and was quickly pointed out that if that's the truth, then uh, Zack Snyder's version of just Superman obliterating everything that do like is in the way of him doing the job of getting the bad guy killed is the paragon of American morality. So <laughs> maybe he does actually understand Superman more than anybody else. Oh, Who I'm knows? I'm blowing minds over here because yeah, I, you know, I can't argue a lot with that. <laughs> And it's deep too. Yeah, Ooh, that's sorry to jump so hard in there. Like you know, <laughs> only like you've, you've eight, alienated three fourths of our audience already. Good job. They're Come down the on our show. level. It's all like this. Yeah, it's all with like cursing. this, but with a lot of cursing. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sean, what, I mean, because uh, I you actually reviewed that with me and Laura back on the film find way back in the day. I did, and as I remember, I I'm I'm kind of half hearted on it. You know, I I didn't love that movie. I specifically couldn't stand what I couldn't stand about it, much like Matt. But I think that, uh, you know, overall, I liked it. Uh, there's There was no joy in it. Um, mm -hmm. And it took itself way too seriously. 
Um, you know, even like even the jokes weren't really jokes, really. It was about how great Superman is. Um, you know, I, I, I can't I can't remember what I reviewed on the film find anymore, except for the part where I said basically the antithesis of what Matt said, where I absolutely hated the beginning of Man of Steel, where. You know, uh, when Maximus jumps on the <laughs> jumps on the dragon and flies away, <laughs> it's so ridiculous to me. <laughs> but the the things that they get right, I, I thought that they they did well. You know, uh, the the I, I like the power set that they use. That there's you know there's a weight to Superman. Like that was cool. I always hated the the design of his suit. Um, they seem to be going with the new Fifty Two suit, which I I just absolutely hate. Um, but I, overall, I thought it was it was pretty good. You know, it was it was some, one of those things where it's like, ah, we'll, we'll give this Superman another chance. Yeah. You know, one of those. And and Bruce, I remember you being about the same, right? More or less. I, I think I probably would be categorized as a uh, Man of Steel apologist. Okay. I think I probably like the movie more than most folks do. I don't necessarily agree with uh, some of the dislike people have. Um, I'm very familiar with Superman, but never been a huge fan. So I think doing something a little different gives me a reason to be interested in it. You know, uh, Brian Singer tried his hand at keeping the old Richard Donner Superman around, and that yeah. didn't go over so well. So I didn't have a problem with it. I like it. I think it's fun. It's a movie. You know, I can go with it. For some reason, you can reinvent uh, so many other characters, but people seem to have a tough time reinventing Superman. Personally, he's just not the best guy to have in movies unless he's sort of a small part at the end. Or, you know, he says, let me see if I get this right. He could be used as a deus ex machina. Get, machina. Boy, yeah. I've messed that one. Deus ex macarena. That's exactly where I was going, Sean. You and me, same wavelength, buddy. <laughs> and I'm hungry for some macaroni myself. And also, uh, <laughs> I kind of got a thing for Diane Lane, so I like it that Mama Kent's kind of saucy in that movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, look... <laughs> Just, just, oh, Mama Kent. I'm just moving on. <laughs> just moving on. Been That's in. how you know you're getting older. Yeah. <laughs> Making eyes at Martha Kent. <laughs> you know this elderly lady? Not too shabby. Hey, man, I've seen Unfaithful. Yeah, we do all have. Uh, so, all right. So, I mean, I'm, like, I think I'm, I've kind of fallen uh, generally the same category. I think if you probably listened back to that Film Find episode, which is way, way long ago at this point, uh, we were probably a little bit more positive on it than I think we would probably even say that we are today. Um, I, I don't hate Man of Steel by any means, but I, you know, I didn't revere it either. I mean, like, like you said, Sean, there's just not a lot of fun to be had in these things. And of, of any of the DC characters, I mean, the one that should just like, you know, while soaring through the air should make your, you know, just heart flutter. It was, should be Superman, but there's, there's never really any of that. And you, there, you never find yourself sitting back with a smile on your face at any time in those, in, in that movie or, or this one, for example. So let's, uh. Oh, I smiled. I smiled in this one. So we'll get into it. Yeah, I disagree with you on that, but we'll get to that. Okay, well, let, let's please do. So uh, uh, who, who wants to go first and give him just generalized impressions? I'll go ahead and say that uh, I think that I'm probably pretty close to what the common statement is where you have to trudge through a whole lot in the beginning, but the, the end really, really worked well for me. I left the theater feeling really good the first time I watched it, and I went back and saw it a second time, and it kind of reminded me that, man, that, that front part is even more boring when you've already seen it once. Uh, I'm looking forward to it coming out on Blu-ray so I can just skip to the chapter where the good part starts, because the the there's a lot of good stuff here, but there's also a lot of stuff here, so I, I really 
think they could have shaved this down, streamlined it? Uh, if Snyder could have cut what he loved a little bit, I think we would have had a better movie. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I was out a little bit uh, further on the previous night. Uh, the a local coffee shop here that has had open mic for years and years and years closed down. So I was out to like three in the morning, and then I caught the first show. Uh, you know, on Friday morning, and um, I mean, I was You're a, an animal. I was a little bit tired, man. And I'll be I, like, I want to see this movie again to give it another because I want to give it a second shake. And I think, and I'll go ahead and preface this out. I think of all the movies that we're probably going to do this year, this one will probably take the biggest going back and taking a relook at it uh, come the end of the year as we do. Uh, but, you know, I, I was like, I, I liked elements of it. I mean, it's a lot like Snyder's work previously. He does a lot of beautiful looking stuff. Uh, it's it's eye catching. I went and saw it in 3D and everything. It looked cool, but at the end of the day, uh, just like a lot of Zack Snyder's work felt fairly hollow and just kind of lacking in all the ways that I really wanted it to, you know, just kind of grab me and things that they kind of touched upon. They didn't touch upon nearly well enough. That seemed to be some of the more interesting aspects of the movie. And we'll get into that. Of course. Who's that? Uh, my turn, yeah. my turn. Knock it out. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I, I went into this movie with an open mind. Um, as we said, uh, last week at the end of daredevil part one, I, I want the, I want to like this movie. Um, and I heard nothing but bad, I, I, but I, I wanted to make my own opinion. And I came out of it, and, you know, I, I like it. I do. I, I think that he still has Superman wrong. I think that uh, the tone of Superman is completely off. But the other heroes in this, I think he, I think he nails it. You know, I think that Batman is, 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 is pretty dang good, especially with all the history that comes with that character. But the, the thing I was most impressed by was Wonder Woman in this movie. Um, I, I found that character very interesting, and I think Gal Gadot is the perfect Wonder Woman. And, you know, the, the plot does seem to meander on, and there's large swaths of time where it's like, oh, hey, you know what, I can now I can do the things that I want to do because they're going to be talking for 20 minutes and just expounding on, on dialogue here so that we can move the plot along. And because they don't try to hide it, they're like, listen, we're going to talk about everything that's got to happen here, and it's going to take us 15 minutes to do so. And so that's a problem with this movie. Clearly, that's a problem with this movie. But overall, I like it. I like this thing. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll round this up, I guess. Uh, I am kind of middle of the road, but leaning toward like here as well. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit and then we can talk. Um, I'm the opposite of how uh, Bruce feels about this thing. I think that the last 45 minutes is kind of a mess uh and doesn't really work at all um meanwhile there's a really good movie buried in the first hour and 15 minutes uh that feels like there's half an hour missing from that plot to make it like an actual satisfying moral story uh and then just oh wait but we have to set up the justice league um and and as much as i like how wonder woman is handled uh it, that also just feels rushed, uh, right? Like it's a weird thing uh, where Bruce just like, here's an email and then, oh yeah, I guess I'll decide to go back and help these guys now that the earth is possibly going to be destroyed again. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know. Uh, I overall enjoyed it and I'm not necessarily saying that the, 
stuff at the end with the Justice League is bad. It's just, it feels like there are kind of two different movies here over the course of two and a half hours. One is an hour and a half movie that's missing 30 minutes, and the other is a, is another hour and a half that um, is also missing 30 minutes, but in, instead is just condensed and tacked on as the last 30 minutes of the movie that was missing, I guess. <laughs> Matt, we should have went Like a weird the- Frankenstein monster. Matt, we should have gone to see the movie together and just gotten one ticket and you could like tap out after your favorite part was done and I'd go in and watch the part I liked. Go get it, man. You like that second half. It's sweet. Yeah, that might have worked, uh, especially since I paid the 20 bucks to see it in the IMAX theater. Uh, so. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Even I didn't do that. And I'm an idiot. Uh, well, I'll say that was probably worth it. I don't know if I'd felt as favorable to the movie if I had seen it uh, just straight up 2d um yeah i probably i i you know i talk i talk crap but i'm probably gonna go see it uh you know sometime this week probably you know i'm close to mall of georgia which has the full imax yeah that's a proper one drove right up there and you know if that's 20 bucks i'll pay for it but i'm not gonna do the 20 bucks at like a fomax yeah when you got a six-story screen in front of you i mean you can't much uh, complain too much about that right um but yeah, man. So uh, we get into this one and everything, and uh, I, I I like how it opens. I like how no, it opens because th- this is where I'm going to disagree with you, man. You, you're talking about opening up with the retelling of Batman's origin story. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, I like. I mean, by all rights, I should have hated the Batman origin story, but I think they did it just enough, a la kind of the beginning of the Incredible Hulk, to where you're not just you're not giving me a half hour of it, but you are giving me a sweet condensed version of it to just be like, by the way, just remember, hey dummies, this is Batman. You know who Batman is. Shut your face. It's Batman. There's Batman in the well, I also on. think that it serves a, like a formal function to signal to the audience that what you're about to watch is not actually a Superman movie. I was I was very, I was just glad that um, before the robber is about to pull the trigger, Thomas Wayne doesn't jump on a unicorn and then the <laughs> robber gets on a Pegasus and there's a big chase scene. Oh, man. Yeah, fair enough. I, uh, I, uh, the first thing I can remember feeling about this intro here is that I kind of wanted to go watch Excalibur again. I haven't seen that in a while. Oh, it's very uh, good. Underrated. Yeah. My but, first uh, thought I was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Perfect. <laughs> I would have liked it better if it just opened up with the battle of Metropolis from, uh, Bruce Wayne's point of view, which is essentially what we get after they retell that origin story. Yeah. I mean, look, I, <sighs> I don't know where to start with this thing. I have all kinds of Well, here's here, let me start then. If you don't <laughs> okay. know where to start, let me start Bring because this is the theme that they keep going with with Bruce Wayne over and over in this movie is that when like when when there's danger looming while everyone else is running away from the danger, Bruce Wayne by himself keeps running into it. And it happens it happens no less than three times in this movie. Yeah, and I'll right. say I, I love that. And I mentioned it when I saw the trailer initially. I was just like, this is the most Batman thing we've ever seen on film, and he ain't even wearing a Batman costume. This is just, you know, him going head on into this giant smoke cloud as everybody's running out and everything. I thought that was, I, I really liked that. I thought there was a lot of weight to that and gave and you it, eyes on who that character is right off the bat. And it was the trailer, you know, the initial trailer that had inclusion of that scene of Ben Affleck running into the rubble that uh, I guess came out around the time of San Diego uh, last summer that really made me more interested in this movie because I'd kind of written it off until I saw that trailer. And and I just like that part. I think that would have been a good place to start and have him uh, 
was it Scoot McNary who gets his legs chopped off with the metal right. beam yes. there? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, what did you guys think of Affleck in this movie? I have. I was. I've always been a champion of the guy. I mean. Even before Batman, to be, I, I like I, I like Affleck as an actor a lot. In a lot of the Same. movies that he's in, I think he gets way bigger of a shrift than he needs to. I think he's a very talented dude, and honest to goodness, I can't wait to see him direct a Batman movie that he is writing with Jeff Johns. See, yeah, I was going to go ahead and ask you guys about that, because I kind of feel like that's part of the deal when you cast him, is that you're trying to get him associated with the franchise so he will direct. I don't know if you guys are... Uh, huge fans of you know his direction in Argo, and I don't know yeah. if I'm smart enough to identify a good director sometimes. No, but he, he knows but what I'm he's excited. Doing. To, you know, there was even sort of a little bit of buzz, which was false, but maybe they wanted him to direct Justice League, which I thought would have been great. But they do need another competent director to start working in this world. And I, I think yeah. he's a strong one to do it. Yeah, me they, too. They because have he's a gonna... competent director working. Hold on, hold on one second. <laughs> No, please, you guys, please. You guys just said that David Ayer is not a competent director. I just want to point. We're that talking out. about like Batman, Superman specifically. I'm, I think I'm just saying that's part of the world. Oh, don't tell me that I'm. I, oh, because I'm getting on that later on because that's <laughs> that's got me excited. Bat, I saw that full trailer. In it. Okay, and uh, I'll give you that. I'll grant you that, Matt. I, I really was thinking more like the Batman, Superman <laughs> stuff, though. I know Wonder Woman okay, also has enough. a Wonder Woman has a really cool director attached to it too. So I'm excited yes. to see that. But I I kind of want to see. Uh, I kind of want to see Warner Brothers go through a similar phase that uh, Marvel went through a few years back where they, you know, they kind of, you know, separated ways with Favreau, uh, separating ways with Whedon. Like you need to kind of if a franchise in a world is going to exist, it kind of needs to not be uh, too closely tied with any one person other than some of the, the key actors. Oh, I, I agree. I do not. Uh, I do not want to come off as somebody saying that Zack Snyder needs to be in charge of the creative dis- uh, decisions going on in all the solo movies. Right. So when when does because I, I'm not hearing it anymore. When does the Affleck sucks as Batman discussion? When did that go away? Because it has left. Like no one's saying that anymore. When well, it, did, when exactly did that happen? I think is that first. I think is that first trailer where you see him holding a little girl and running into the smoke. I think people are like, oh snap. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm and also the last of, of trailer, Af- the last trailer big- was yelling back at uh, at, at uh, old uh, Alfred there, just going, "If it's if there's a one percent chance, we got to take him out." And people are like, "Oh snap, this is for real." And yeah. you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of Affleck's performance in this movie all the way around. I I enjoyed it. I think he was a great choice for it. But you know, I do know people that went to see the movie and thought he was awful. So I, I don't know what they expected. You know, I don't quite understand sometimes what people are wanting to see when they complain about something that I think was really good. But there's still people that don't like the idea of Affleck as uh, Batman for some reason. Maybe they're big Jennifer Garner fans and they're mad at him. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, I I will tell you this about Affleck and his performance in this movie. And the way they portray Batman in this movie, this is the Batman that I've been waiting to see on screen for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Since the since the Burton films, really, but at least since they started making the Nolan f- franchise. Like, I've been waiting for this Batman to show up. He's aged. He's, right, he's not young. Yeah. He's been through a whole lot of crap. Um, but he is still 
bulked up and buff yeah, he, and he's ready solid. to kick some butt, man. Solid as an oak, and I really like that. And if they're going with the Dark Knight Returns kind of influence, which they are, that is our thickest Batman that we've ever seen. And I loved, uh, I absolutely loved uh, Nolan's movies, particularly The Dark Knight. Um, but Bell really didn't have that uh, certain physical presence uh, that that Affleck has. You know, that was one of the the drawbacks. But I, you know, of course, the stories and and the way the movies were made were so good that I overcame that, and it was fine right. with me. But but I didn't think that. Uh, you know, there were some people disappointed that Bell wasn't interested in this movie, but I thought it was okay to move on. And and I'll say this, hands down, best Batman outfit we have ever had, period. I, I think so. It is yeah. just like, yeah. it is it, what it, I want it to be, man. It To me, it looked like a comic book page. Both yeah. the armor and the standard bat suit mm -hmm. both look like a comic book page put up on the big screen. Which, you know, if we want to talk a bit about Snyder, he's not good at much, but he can be pretty good at literal interpretations of comic books. Yeah, there's a, there's a <laughs> and, little bit of that. And putting some really good images up on the screen. Not all of them, but a lot of good, good ones. Yeah. Well, you got to figure... I, you got to figure, too, with Affleck as Batman that, uh, you know, even though this comes in the form of a Superman movie, it's going to be Batman that's the linchpin of the entire DC universe. Yeah. So I think that I, I think that this is a very good introduction to that universe. If Batman, if this is the Batman we're going to see for, let's say, five years, this is this is a very good introduction to it, I think. And, uh, you know, just kind of holding on that vein, let's talk about some of the other casting. I don't know that we need to say much about Henry Cavill. He's kind of old news. He's already done this once before. But uh, a lot of people had strong feelings about Lex Luthor and how he was cast here. I'm curious to hear how you guys come down on that. Well, here's an interesting thing. And uh, we wrote it up on um, on, on uh, HearMoviePodcast.com way back when. Uh, Sean knows a, a, a certain someone who was on that film. Uh, you know, and we'll leave it at that. But we had some words back and everything that it looked like they were going to offer it to Brian Cranston. Comes yes, out, yeah. they just now, Zack Snyder said, yes, we considered him for that. And you know what? Big mistake. I mean, I like Jesse Eisberg as well, an actor. Here's but, what happened, whew. man, is uh, the casting director said, uh, they told the casting director, go out and get me that Heisenberg guy. And they misunderstood. And this is what happened. Uh, There's a second time you've gone to the well for the joke, and I respect you for that. You're just like, hey, not everybody was at the six o'clock show. They can hear this one too. <laughs> but he, says, he still says it like it's the first time he's ever said it because huh. he's a pro. Because he's a darn pro, I tell you. Uh, but man, I'm telling you, that like hearing that news come out today really was a dagger in the heart of what could have been amazing. Uh, because Jesse Eisenberg, like again, I like him as an actor. There's a lot of things I thoroughly enjoy him mm -hmm. in, and this ain't it. Uh, and this is also something where I'm guilty to being very, very attached to a specific interpretation of Lex Luthor. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm somewhat of a hypocrite because I always try to tell people, be open-minded, try to think outside the box, give everything a chance. But, you know, I'm like uh, the Clancy Brown Lex Luthor from Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. I'm so emotionally attached to that sort of type of Lex Luthor that I was a little closed-minded going in here. And that's why I was curious if you guys were disappointed like I was in uh, Eisenberg here. Well, I mean, well, to me, to me, this is the, basically this is the Lex Luthor from the comic books where, you know, he clones himself and he puts his brain into the kid and he acts completely differently than he did previously. That's what that's kind of what I, the, the performance that Eisenberg is giving here, I, I believe. 
And and I can go with that, except they also try to make him not that guy, too. I mean, they, they could make this Alexander Luthor, and they kind of have the name spelled out on the invitation and yeah. kind of throw some hints there. He even talks about his father a little bit. So I could have gone with that. But then at the end, they try to, you know, shave his head and tell us this is Lex. And I don't even think that it's necessarily that Eisenberg... Uh, couldn't do a good Lex Luthor. I just think what was written for him, the way the character was designed, it wasn't going to work for me, no matter who the actor was. And then put put an actor in the role that I already attached to other roles that are not Lex Luthor in my mind. It just was a, a recipe for dissatisfaction. No, it wouldn't have worked a, like there, that. And there is a couple of like Eisenberg-y moments also. Like when he's walking through and you see it, you see his back as he's walking through the hallway at some point. And he's walking very Jesse Eisenberg-y to me, where it's like, come on, guys. Like, Couldn't somebody give him the direction of please stop being yourself? <laughs> and you know, I don't think he was. You know what? When I was watching him on screen, you know what I got out of this was uh, like him doing Nicholson. No, That's what interesting. I felt like he was doing. And like it, it was that like, like late 80s Batman where Nicholson was just slightly over the top except that Eisenberg already feels slightly over the top right so when he's starting to do that it's this weird quirkiness that I don't know he pulls off no I can kind of see that I mean think about the thing that you see all, all the time in the trailers it's like hey this guy to this guy that's kind of the little kind of uh, no I can I can kind of see that and then so, you know there's some key character traits to what makes Lex Luthor work for me. Uh, one of those things is that Lex Luthor really came from nothing and is a self-made man. Right from the beginning, he says, oh, that's my dad's name up there on LexCorp. I just inherited it. That right away undermines the way I appreciate Lex Luthor. I mean, the idea is this is a guy who feels like he has had to work really hard and had no advantages to get to where he's at. And Superman was just born with superpowers. And that's where that distrust and that disdain from Lex Luthor comes from. And here, I didn't feel like they played it consistently all the way through. I didn't feel like Luthor's motivations were as clear in the movie. If you didn't know the characters, they could have been. I think they could have went with sort of a Silicon Valley CEO, Lex Luthor, which is what I thought they were doing in the beginning. But then yeah. he just turns into a pure maniac. And all along, you know, Lex Luthor in his mind is the savior of the earth. He is the person who's going to protect all humans from aliens. And in this movie, he just seemed a little bit more like an anarchist. He seemed a little bit more like Frank Gorshin uh, type performance than what I would expect from Lex Luthor. See, and that, and that's what that's what I think that you need with this is that kind of like the, the there's a almost a Professor X Magneto sort of thing where it's just like, no, here's what you need to understand. This is the problem, and this should be a guy who, like, in the backs of your mind, you might be able to go. You know, maybe he's right. You start entertaining that for a couple of seconds, thinking maybe this guy is right about what he's saying, and we should maybe get on board with this. This way you can also find it appealing then to how other people would see what this guy's doing it and fall in line with it, you know? To me, it feels like they're doing almost like a falling down style Lex Luthor, where in the beginning you're like, oh, hey, yeah, I could side with him. And then mm -hmm. by the middle of the movie, you're like, oh, this guy is crazy. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then by and the I end, you're like Cuckoo that. Bananasville, man, because he goes, it's 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 Cuckoo's Nest by the end of this thing. And oh, and, and also, it's it's like he's saying things, and I guess we're supposed to believe they're profound, but they're essentially gibberish. He does that a lot. Like, I think the writer really expects that these lines are going to be jaw-dropping, and Eisenberg delivers them like they're supposed to be profound, and it's just idiocy. I mean, come on, the oldest lie in America is probably that uh, George Washington chopped down a cherry tree. It has nothing to do with power being innocent. Most folks don't think that that power's innocent, right? 
No, absolute power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Yeah, I mean, he's just saying, it it reminds me, and his performance, maybe this is what he's trying to channel. Uh, But if you've ever worked with or had family members or you've been around someone who's bipolar and they're in a serious manic phase that needs Mm -hmm. help, they start to do this like word salad that they think is profound and they even have some of the same mannerisms that he had. So maybe that's what they were going for and it just didn't come through all the way. But uh, I just felt like he wasn't written well. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this will probably fall on, uh, you know, the main writer here, Chris Terrio, who I learned, turns out not Danny Terrio's brother. Uh, it's a white guy. And, you uh, know, I'm going to go ahead here and just speculate that most of the Luthor was Goyer's contribution because you know how highly <laughs> I think of Goyer. Well, no, and honestly, I was to make that same comment, actually. There's some, like, there's uh, some Goyer stuff in there. He feels very Goyerish. <laughs> so does Doomsday. Uh, yeah, actually, kind of. Hey, I really don't know exactly what this character's about or exactly why it should be there, but I'm going to jimmy around it enough to make you think that I think I know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, Sean, in a statement that probably won't surprise you, I'm a huge Alfred Pennyworth fan from uh, the comic <laughs> books and the movies, and I want to know what you guys thought of uh, Klaus von Bülow here as uh, Alfred. I loved him. I thought he was great. I, you know, I always like different interpretations of Alfred because there's always something, you know, very uh, early 20th century about the character because, you know, that's where he comes from, where he's just like a manservant for the first bunch of years. And then the last couple of years here, they're kind of turning him around to be more of, you know, like a jack of all trades. And, you know, he's he's his he's his footman, you know, like all of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm I like stick- it. I'm going to stick my neck out here and say that I liked uh, Jeremy Irons better than Michael Caine, clearly. Uh, but I think the best Alfred Pennyworth we've had is probably Sean Pertwee from Gotham. Now, you know, I all still other agree. Things, yeah, throw yes. everything else, your other opinions about the show, negative or positive, throw them out the window. But Sean Pertwee, his interpretation of Alfred is like the Alfred I love. It's, it's the Alfred from... Uh, uh, Jeff Johns, Batman, Earth One, I think is the name of the uh, OGN that came out about four years ago. Right. And uh, the one that's former SAS, and he just came up with the cover story of being a butler to look after the kid after his dear friend was murdered. And uh, Jeremy Irons did fine at times, I'll be honest. The the scruffy, uh, made-to-look-a-little-bit-older Ben Affleck and Jeremy Irons, who takes good care of himself, they looked about the same age at times. Yeah, <laughs> they did. For me. Uh, you know, they almost, uh, I don't know who's the oldest working actor out there. They need to bring somebody a little bit older in if they're going to be Ben Affleck's uh, guardian and butler. Well, then, but, Peter O'Toole's corpse. Uh, but I, I, I do like Jeremy Irons, but he was in the shadow of Sean Pertwee the whole time I was watching it. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. But I really do like, I, I, I did like the, the rendition of Alfred in this movie, especially because, you know, he needs to talk to someone. And it, it's it's a lot cooler when alfred is more of like a, a an ally and like a serious ally than somebody who works for bruce and know? not just that do i need to get your hot medication and i also some like finger sandwiches sir. well i actually i actually think uh what i liked about uh, the the irons version of the character aside from uh like i've, I've thought him playing jeremy irons as alfred was good um <laughs> But uh, what I liked about it was I feel a little bit like it is in line with that Earth One Pertwee interpretation of the character in that uh, what we see him doing constantly in this movie is setting up all of the equipment for Bruce to be able to go out and do what he's doing, right? So he is the guy who is training Bruce in some way and making sure the equipment works 
which is always like a more fun version of Alfred than uh, like the Michael Caine. I've got some very important thing to tell you that's going to shape how we interpret the morals of this movie, Alfred. Don't we feel like Michael Caine's Alfred would have never gotten his like fingers wrinkly while doing the dishes? I don't. <laughs> I don't think he would go that far. I just don't think he's got the commitment. Uh, well, uh, well, not to talk about a different movie, but uh, Michael Caine did have one of the best lines in any Batman movie when he says to uh, Bruce, you need a secret identity to protect those that are close to you. And he says, oh, you mean like uh, whatever Katie Holmes character was named? He goes, no, I was thinking about me. I like that part. <laughs> you moron. <laughs> but uh, uh, Lois Lane, uh, the Amy Adams, that's her name? Yeah. Yeah. I have not been a fan of her as Lois Lane at all in the first movie or this one. I mean, I, I think she's just fine. I think that Lois Lane uh, sucks as a character in these movies. Well, and some could I, argue I, that, that this is a, a character that's been interpreted so many different ways. There has to be a comic book faithful way that you could do her that's still fun. Well, well here's the problem. Here's the problem. Ever sorry, go ahead. No, I'm go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying this one's faithful to her being everywhere at all the times. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she just doesn't seem like Lois Lane to me. Uh, Amy Adams is probably an actress I'm not a big fan of anyway. Maybe that has something to do with it. A red-haired Lois Lane. Well, that's superficial. I should be able to get over that. But <laughs> I'm just I'm just not a fan of uh, Amy Adams as Lois Lane. She's there in the desert, you know, and Superman comes in to rescue her, and, and we get – uh, sort of a minor action sequence, I would call it. It's like there's a little something there, so we don't fall into uh, stage three sleep during the first part of the movie. But uh, I'm just not, <laughs> I'm just not buying her as Lois Lane. Not buying that she has any chemistry really with Cavill, in my opinion. And then well, here, uh, here, here's the problem with the Lois Lane character in these movies because it's both movies now. Is that um, you know, when you're in high school and uh, you're either the tough guy or you're the little guy in your circle of friends. Well, what Lois Lane reminds me of in these movies is the little guy who hangs out with the big guy who's constantly getting in trouble because he knows that the big guy's always got his back. Yeah. So, like, let me put the toady, myself you in mean, the toady. Right. Let me put myself in death defying situations because I can know I can always get out because the big guy's going to fly in and he's going to kill all of you. And that's yeah, and mean, that's you're welcome. The, all the small it, it people that know me. And in it the deserted in the deserted bus station, she just walks up to KG Beast and says, "Hey, aren't you an international terrorist? I mean, who has the cojones to do that if they don't have <laughs> Superman backing them up?" And you guys did pick up that was KG Beast, right? I yeah. didn't even know. I don't even know who KG Beast is. <laughs> He's a Cold War character from Russia. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> This falls under the category of you don't say. <laughs> but yeah, that was KG Beast. So uh, he is a character from the comics, the Anatoly whatever it is, but uh, the Russian guy. Anatoly Karenina. I've seen that movie. And I, I really, I, I think at some point in time, they probably felt that that senator from Kentucky was a role that needed sort of a recognizable actor to play it, and they got Holly Hunter, but... I love uh, Holly Hunter, but what are you out, in here for? I don't think for? they really... They could have gotten just, like, somebody standard to do that and just had one hearing. We didn't need so much uh, Granny's homemade peach tea and all that kind of uh, country bumpkin stuff she was doing. Do you think that Holly Hunter actually tried out for the part of Wonder Woman? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, look, I, look I, I, was, I was... Did you see The Incredibles? They're like, ma'am, that's animated. She's just like, I, just feel, I asked if you I saw it. I just feel like there was a massive waste of a turn to the right joke. 
in all of this. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> and, you know, I understand it's a comic book movie, so you do have to suspend disbelief. But did you see, if you paid close attention, they said the senator from Kentucky was a Democrat? That's not happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just well, lie I to me, movies? Well, I think the implication was, knowing Snyder's politics, right, that, uh, like, she has to be a Democrat from Kentucky because not only are country people stupid, but Democrats are stupid, too. So she <laughs> fell for it twice. <laughs> oh, man. You're extra dumb, lady. <laughs> oh, but, uh, you know, I did like her her little countryisms about wrestling with a pig and stuff. Uh, you know, not that many pigs to wrestle with in Kentucky. I lived there for about 14 years. Yeah, where is she? In, uh, in South Carolina? Because <laughs> that's where all the pigs are. They're in Georgia. <laughs> Oh, man. And, and, you know, the granny's peach tea, I guess that was a nice callback. But the way she just totally lost her composure, I just didn't buy that. What was the look, man, when she sees the thing? She's like, I'm going to hum and hum and hum and shut up. <laughs> oh, there's pee in a jar on my desk. I can't be Lord a Lord of mercy, no what are we going to do at this point, Splode? Whatever. <laughs> and, man, uh, I never did understand. And please help me here, guys, because I'm a simple-minded person. I miss a lot of things that I should be able to see. I'm, I'm not. I'm like a caveman lawyer here. But why? Why in the world would Scoop? Why would Scoop McNary be angry with Bruce Wayne, the guy who saved his life there and sent him checks for not working? Well, he he. The, I think that they explained that when they said that he he. It wasn't him sending those checks back. It was Lex Luthor doing that. Okay, but suppose it's been 18 months. Luther's in his ear. It's been 18 months. You don't think once he picked up the phone and said, hey, uh, you know those uh, disability checks you promised me? uh, You know, I haven't gotten one. Rent's due. Uh, Maybe it's a bookkeeping error or something. Could you look into it? Like, what person would wait 18 months and not call about where their checks are? Uh, As someone who sells things to people. That's not what happened. It wasn't the whole time. Uh, What I got out of this was that he had been getting them. And then uh, at some point, he had started returning them, right? This was the implication. Yes. So when Bruce goes through, there's not like 18 different checks there. There's like five or six, right? But which why would, would he return the up- checks? Because that was the time after which he had been with Luthor, right? And so when Luthor talks at the end to uh, um, Bruce about how easy it was, uh, just some play- some messages back home uh back to you and then mention uh mommy and daddy right or but, mention your mother but uh that's I'll, all him doing it the but, fact that we have to discuss it like this probably means it wasn't real well written though oh listen look, i think I'm we've already thought you, more about you this asked than to, for the explanation i'm not oh i agree you. i agree i definitely <laughs> asked for it and i kind of felt like that was being insinuated but i felt like in the beginning that wasn't how they were picturing it and then they decided that's how they wanted to picture it and they didn't like clean up the front part of the movie to make it more consistent i felt like it was just sort of tacked on well you know you've made I, me look like, like a fool for the last time bruce leslie <laughs> well well i feel like what happened right uh, along those same lines is they they were writing out all of the script they were going and doing another pass and then uh they decided oh yeah we never gave bruce wayne a reason to pay attention to what's going on with this guy what about some return checks and then <laughs> that's the thing right Okay, Scoot McNary, man, for the Oscar, Best Supporting Actor. He ain't got no accountant. <laughs> he barely got two legs. He'll be doing that all by himself. Come and on And then he now. becomes a wheelchair-bound suicide bomber. And that's another question. Did Scoot McNary know that he had a bomb? Or I got the idea Lex Luthor didn't let Scoot know about it. 
But something that bothered me is that Lex left Mercy Graves in there with the bomb. I, I would think that he would at least uh, help his uh, sidekick, Mercy Graves, the thin Asian lady for listeners who may not know who Mercy Graves is. A pretty big deal, Luthor sidekick in uh, the Justice League animated stuff. And uh, she's in this movie and totally doesn't show like how cool she is in this movie. Well, maybe that's no time. Uh, There's no time. Yeah, there was, there was no time, and so they just killed her off because, like, why bother at that oh, point? She's oh, going to be in the three-hour R-rated How dare cut. we cut out one of the four meaningless dream flashbacks slash fantasy sequences <laughs> so that we could develop a really cool character that some people like? You hey, mean, look, man, you look, man. You appreciate uh, Batman Road Warrior? <laughs> yeah, I really am glad that they shoehorned in some parademons into a movie where they don't fit. But, uh, you know, okay, go ahead and cut the Barbara Gordon stuff. Give me those stupid parademons. <laughs> And also, we got to make an eight-year-year-old boy look like he's flying out of well because bats. Because <laughs> <laughs> bats, because bats is a hundred percent how that is because it is. That's the only reason. Yeah. And you know, Why I, else I, would he fly as a boy? Because because da David Goya says so. I took my eight-year-old son to go see this movie too, and uh, the best line of the night came from my son when uh, Michael Shannon's corpse was being uh, sort of drug out by Lex Luthor and into the water. He said, uh, "Thank goodness you can't see his wiener because they did <laughs> manage to block that, so at least we didn't get full <laughs> Shannon frontal." <laughs> that was the best thing my eight-year-old boy had to say about the first part of this movie. Uh, was well, it, I know it wasn't a Shannon like decision because he's done it before. <laughs> Shameless, right? <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't care. I He's an most, actor's actor. Most sir. people would probably like to see my wiener. I don't even. <laughs> I just let him do it. He's the one who, the one who uh, is hoping that that R-rated cut in the Blu-ray has it. <laughs> It'll probably just be uh, CG and blue in that cut. Y'all want to see Zod's wiener? And, and I think the one person Terrible. who's received pretty much universal praise, even from the people who have really negative things to say about this movie, is Gal Gadot's uh, Diana Prince Wonder Woman. I, gotta, I liked it. I got a surprise. I mean, because like I was like, man, they're just cramming this stuff in here. It is just more junk to try to like you know skip over the steps that they should go. And I'll say, I left this movie going, man, I wish there was a heck of a lot more Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. I found it. I thought like she's her. Great. I, There's not enough. Yeah, I thought she was intriguing. I mean, you know, she she's a beautiful lady, and honestly, I think she looks better since she's kind of bulked up and everything. You know, I think she was a wonderful Wonder Woman, and yeah. I mean, when she finally shows up, and you get what is essentially a a comic book two page spread of the two of them when she shows up and uses her bracers to save the day, that's just mm -hmm. breathtaking, and they very cool. kick in some some very Wonder Woman specific drums and music there when she shows up, and the whole. Uh, just the, the whole junkie XL the movie part. goes up. Yeah, <laughs> Junkie XL took over for Zimmer there, and it was really good. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I, I also I, I, I like the reveal on her too. I thought that was a great way to reveal that she is more than she seems. And it, it has me so eager to see that Wonder Woman movie. I don't know when it's released, but I'm hoping it's next summer. I mean, they're shooting right now. I mean, if they're, right. they're not darn near done at this point, but uh, no, I, I do want to before uh, before we go on. I do want to have one corrective in here. Uh, she does have a hard T at the end of her name. It is Gal Gadot. Because she's Israeli. I just want everybody to know because we'll be talking about the, her a lot over the I, next few years. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I do appreciate that because my uh, Hebrew is not what it used to be. Well, it's also, you know, like I, you could assume like it's a French name, right? Why not? Well, I knew she was Israeli. I just didn't yeah, know about the pronunciation there. But I, she's but I for real Israeli, too. Like Israeli's that. army. Mm -hmm. real. Like, like She, she yeah. did the two years. 
Yes, yeah. she brought her own wardrobe. That's not a costume that was provided by the studio. That'd be awesome. Say what? I'll be honest, though. I mean, <laughs> like, look at this movie, though. I think there's going to be a lot of dudes dressing the ladies up as Wonder Woman now. Cause, uh... <laughs> and there was one shot during the fight scene where uh, the camera went right up Main Street, too. That kind of surprised me. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Zack Snyder for you, son. As 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 Prince, as uh, Carrie Fisher once said, you could see all of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I like this. I mean, I thought. The... Oh, I'm glad you didn't make a Gaza Strip joke there. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, this show's already gone off the rails. This is becoming more <laughs> film fine than you thought, huh, kids? But you know, uh, Warner <clears throat> Brothers right now is is just. Uh, overwhelmingly in the massive shadow of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And one thing I will say is that they've done Wonder Woman here more justice than they've done with Black Widow in three movies, uh, more than they've done with Pepper Potts in the movie she's been in. And, and you know, I really didn't see anything out of Scarlet Witch that was memorable in the last Avengers movie. So they did get Gal Gadot and Wonder Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman right. But the mm-hmm. and, and here's the thing too, the wild part is is how her screen time comparative to those others is much, much, much less. And half of half of her screen time's looking on a bloody computer for crying out loud. And mm-hmm. uh but when she shows up, man, it is impactful. She is the uh the secret weapon, you know? She's even a secret to the heroes of the movie. I love it. Yeah, she yeah. carries herself really well and makes you and, and and it has that thing that we that we talk about on the other shows and stuff that this girl looks like she could handle herself. Oh yeah. So, you know, and that's important. So just not to see these wafy little people trying to, you know, fight up with people. She's got an imposing enough, you know, presence and everything that I buy it. And here here's a question I have too. Did you did you want to continue on the Wonder Woman train for a minute, Bruce? No, go any direction you want. So so I wanted to ask about uh the other things that we see from the members of the justice league. Okay. Uh, I don't think that we needed to see it in this film. I feel like if they had just had that screen where the symbols were there, I agree that 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 would have been much more interesting to me or like piqued my imagination a little bit more than having that, one minute of each different one that we see or have what, that what be the, is, right? the the trailer kicker at the end go go back to that screen that you previously saw see a little bit of that video and hit black at yeah, least that'd have mean, been that, something. that actually could have been a good uh, good stinger that they yeah. they didn't have uh, any of right well so, i i would totally agree with everything you just said when it comes to me and my own personal opinion but when i asked my cuz i saw this this uh, movie today with my my oldest daughter I asked her as we're driving away, what's your favorite part of this movie? And she said, seeing Cyborg was the best part of the movie to me. And you know, that's exactly something I was going to comment on is I don't Mm -hmm. know uh, how far along they are in development for the Cyborg movie, but just watching that little introduction, I would love it if they would uh, get the guy, the the body horror director that did Jeff Goldblum's Fly, get that guy to do Cyborg. Cronenberg doing Cyborg would be amazing and they would (laughs) never in a million years let him do it. But they that never so let him do it. It would barely make sense. And it was Cronenborg. And they've got the mother box there. I like it. You know, sometimes I feel like they're uh, spoon feeding us stuff, showing us Batman's uh, origin story again, showing us exactly that what the symbol for Aquaman and the Flash and Cyborg means. But I also like it. You know, we see the parademons with nobody telling us that they're parademons. We see right. the mother box with nobody telling us it's a mother box. Uh, we see the the big Omega symbol in a totally unnecessary flashback scene, the second most unnecessary flashback scene, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, some of that stuff is going to seem like, you know, to people who aren't in the know, they're going to say, oh, man, that was there all along and I didn't realize it. Yeah, I 
I do. Uh, so I should couch what I, what I just said, like personally about that in uh, like, I agree that there are people that need to see the stuff. I don't know if that's the case that there was enough of it to make any sort of actual sense. Uh, they're familiar with the flash. So that's makes sense. Um, but outside of the fandoms, like we know who Aquaman is, but are like, does that one little clip give any sort of indication? All as he to what did we, was stare right? at the bloody camera. And then he right. swam away really, That's really fast it. and cavitated the water. That was kind of cool. What I mean, yeah, there was of course, like but zero point to that crap. I was just but like, you know, there's the whole thing at the end where the kryptonite spears underwater and Lois Lane gets trapped. That's where you could give us our uh, Jason Momoa uh, cameo, man. Well, and I and I thought that was what was going to happen, and then of course not because that would have made sense. Uh, instead, <laughs> Superman has to leave the battle to go save Lois, again, and then right? reenact the Miss Tessmacher scene from the Richard Donner Superman, right? <laughs> Pretty much, but uh, uh, was, I wonder was what there, she's doing now. <laughs> was there some kind of like uh, contractual obligation to have Kevin Costner in this movie? Because that scene where he's talking about drowning Lana Lang's pony or whatever is just out of nowhere, does nothing. That is one of the first things they could have cut to uh, make this a little slimmer. Oh, that's great, because that's when I went to the bathroom, and I came back. I, I, sa I said to my daughter, hey, did I miss anything? And she said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> that could have been about a lot of points in this movie, I think. So you don't know Kevin Costner got a cake when he drowned the Lane family's horses? Got a cake. I do not. I, I yeah, he not got a hero that cake. that was in there. <laughs> yeah. He was our I guess uh, hero. I guess it's his way to say that actions have consequences, but uh, totally could have just said, hey, you know what? Actions has consequences. Now let's get back to the fight. <laughs> No, well, you want to you want some more you know slow imagery and some you know overcranking. And what's going on with the fat guy at the IHOP? <laughs> <laughs> now here's here's the thought, and uh, it would take a little bit of work to make this uh, go according to how I see it. But I think that there could have been a movie, uh, just a Batman movie about getting kryptonite because he's starting to distrust Superman. That could be a whole movie: Batman getting kryptonite and dealing with uh, the underworld in Gotham. And uh -huh. then we have uh, movie two where Batman fights Superman, and then it's movie three where Doomsday shows up. I mean, couldn't we have done something like that? This could have been three movies, right? Yeah. Well, they, they could have done that had they started doing that in 2008 when Marvel started doing it. But since their plan is, oh, Marvel's doing this really successful thing that people like, uh, we need to cram it all into three years' worth of doing uh, movies now. I'm going to fly if by I, the seat of my pants as fast as I can towards the if sun. I, if I learned anything from season one of True, uh, what's it called, True Detective, it's that time's a flat circle, so they don't need to be in a rush. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the yeah. only thing we learned from that show. Uh, yeah, no. and uh, he plagiarized Alan Moore in the final episode, too. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, look, I mean, like the movie's not perfect. I do want to go see it again because I was a tiny bit sleep deprived when I did so. But, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, people either love it or they hate it. Uh, and let's I mean, because now we'd uh, we talked to people on uh, our Facebook and we reached out to everybody and we said, hey, guys, uh, give us a little idea. What did you think of it? Now, we got a good amount of responses here. I can't read them all because there's, there's some of them are, uh, you know, fairly lengthy. And we thank you for that. But here, movie uh, Facebook.com slash here movie podcast. So you can check all these out. But, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that have, you know, fairly varying opinions and stuff. I see, you know, uh, one guy, uh, Chuck here, says it's a very good movie. Uh, too many comic book crossovers, just saying. So, you know, he likes it, but still, even so, there's too much stuff going on. Ben Affleck, uh, Lucas uh, Barrison says Batman as Ben Affleck is a woos. I don't know what that means. 
Maybe uh, a whoopsie or a W-U-S-S. Who knows? Whoopsie. I'm just trying to put words in his whoopsie? mouth. I don't know. Uh, Nathan uh, Nathan said it was far too long. Tyler said the efficiency of Batman while using his vehicles to murder people was very noble. Hashtag Martha. Hashtag uh, jar of something or other. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like so. So this one is. Uh, this is a good one here. So Kenneth uh, says, uh, Snyder can't uh, get Superman right. Kal-El is a beacon of hope, not to be not the tortured gunfighter or the emo kid. His presence gives uh, everything, or excuse me, everyone's strength because motives because motives are pure and his resolve is unbreakable. Not in this movie. I know everyone who uh, touches these guys add their own take, but you have to respect the core of the character. Uh, and I, I kind of agree with that, but some people, you know, some people like it. Uh, what do you call, uh, Lucas, uh, gave us a little review here and says the movie was amazing. Some, uh, plot points could have been cut and Lex was a bit much, but it was nothing that I couldn't handle. At least it was better than Batman and Robin, Iron Man three, Batman forever, man of steel, Thor, Thor, the dark world, the dark night and the dark Knight rises and Superman returns as a comic book fan. Batman V versus Superman hit me in all the right spots. Eight out of 10. I love this. I mean, there are people that, you yeah, know, love he, it, I definitely did not like like it better than all of those movies he listed, but I did like it better than some. Better than some of them, I will say. I will yeah, agree yeah. with that with that nature. But uh, you know, so there, there's a lot of stuff to be read uh, here. Movie podcast uh, uh, on the Facebook there. Um, but before we get down to the actual <clears throat> review itself proper and get in here uh, uh, as we do on this show, we got to go to Mr. Keenan to find out how this movie relates back to the most magnanimous man in Hollywood history, Mr. Sylvester Stallone. Well, thank you, Adam. I have a prepared statement. Oh, okay. Diane Lane plays Martha Kent in Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice, an absolutely thankless role where she shoots off chunks of dialogue like, that's my boy, and you hungry? You want some stew? <laughs> so here's the deal. Someone needs to make a movie about Diane Lane's life because it's crazy bananas. She's the product of a Playboy centerfold and an acting teacher. It's as if someone was trying to incubate a movie star from conception, and what we got was Diane Lane. She's a child actor making the cover of Time magazine at the age of 14. At 15, she was hit in the eye with a tennis ball, which caused permanent pupil dilation. And I'm sure someone on the podcast right now has a lot to say about that, but we need to keep moving on. <laughs> Diane Lane was a multimillionaire by the age of 18. She was married to and has a child with her ex-husband, Christopher Lambert. I don't know who looks at the Highlander and says, well, I got to lock that down, but she did. <laughs> her best friend is fellow actress Elizabeth Perkins, and in 2003, she was voted one of People Magazine's most beautiful people in the world. She's one of the few actresses to make the transition almost seamlessly from child star to ingenue to elder statesman. And while her phone hasn't stopped ringing since the 80s, she's never felt overexposed. I can't remember anyone in my circle of friends complaining about Diane Lane. Most women seem to like her and most guys are like, yeah, Diane Lane. Who is she again? <laughs> Diane Lane has the best type of career because she's famous, but she's not stop taking my picture. I'm driving my kid to school famous. You know, she can get a table at the awesome restaurant, but no one's going through her garbage looking for an old pair of britches. And her career. <laughs> you don't know that. 
Her career would be considered perfect if it weren't for the fact that in 1995, she got the call to star in the Sylvester Stallone Rob Schneider vehicle, Judge Dredd. <laughs> a movie that Stallone himself now sees as the Hitler of movies and should never be viewed by anyone ever. But don't take my word for it. In an interview in 2008, Stallone said, it didn't live up to what it could have been. It probably should have been more comic, really humorous and fun. What I learned out of that experience is that we were trying to make Hamlet, and it's more like Hamlet and eggs. Which makes two points. One, Stallone is killing it with dad jokes. And two, he has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to the post-apocalyptic dystopian source material that is Judge Dredd. The biggest problem with Stallone's Judge Dredd is that Stallone and director Danny Cannon hated each other. Stallone continued in the same interview, and he never disappoints with the weird quotes. It was sort of like a feathered fish. I knew we were in for a long shoot when, for no explainable reason, Danny Cannon, who's rather diminutive, jumped down from his director's chair and yelled to everyone with an earshot, Fear me! Everyone should fear me! And then jumped back up onto his chair as if nothing happened. <laughs> the British crew was taking bets on his life expectancy. Now... Read between the line, HMPers. Even 12 years later, Stallone's still threatening the director. Look, I got beat up in high school a few times, but none of those guys were threatening me 12 years after we graduated. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a highlight in Judge Dredd 1995, and there isn't, it would be Diane Lane as Judge Hershey. She's good in the role, but she's miscast. She's just too dang fancy. She's the wrong kind of pretty. To give you an example of what I'm talking about here, imagine Pierce Brosnan as Bubbles on the wire. <laughs> <laughs> See? Too fancy. So there you have it, H.M. Pierce, this week's Stallone connection. Speaking of too fancy, Todd, Aloysius, and Percy, let's <laughs> review Batman v. Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice, so we can start Googling dirty pictures of Diane Lane. Indeed, we will. Uh, so let's get down to it. For those of you who may be new to the show, we don't have stars or letters or any of that garbage. We have the old HMP patented Robin rating system. Uh, you know, and it, you can see that at uh, facebook.com slash hero movie podcast. It's right there at the top of the screen. So you know how it all lays out. Uh, let's go with the guest first. Matt, where did uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and the Criminally Insane, or whatever we want to call this, rate on the Robin system for you, sir? Um... Jesus, I don't know. Tim Drake, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty good. You that's don't, a solid rating. But, you don't. but I'm, I, I will say the solid rating comes that, like like I said, I really, really like this version of Batman. And whenever he is the focus of this movie, it works a lot better than when Superman is the focus of the movie. I can see that. Mr. And I liked Wonder Woman, so boom. Okay, very well, very well. That's, that's pretty good. Tim Drake there. What do you got there, Leslie? Well, you know, it needlessly starts with Batman's origin story. And uh, even when I was deep in the rainforest of Madagascar, the people there already knew Batman's origin story. Uh, the movie now, He means that literally, folks. That's, <laughs> those are li that's not him being figurative. Those are literal words. Keep going. Uh, he spends too much time, or the movie spends too much time, on what Snyder is not good at, uh, plot development, character development, world building, uh, before it gets to what Snyder excels at, which are some stunning action visuals. Uh, but I want to make this clear. 
to me, the good part is really, really good. Uh, the movie just stumbles uncomfortably uh, getting to that part. I think they could have cut Batman's dream sequence. They could have uh, cut out Kevin Costner on the mountain talking about drowning the horses. I don't think they needed to linger on Senator Finch like it did. Uh, I just I, I just think it needs to get to the punching and explosions quicker. I think that could have made this a Tim Drake for me. Uh, but regardless, despite its problems, I do think this is a movie people need to see and they will see. Uh, I'm giving it a Damian Wayne, but I'm saying that uh, for me, the ending is worth the work it takes to get there. Fair enough. Kaden, what do you got? Uh, for me, this is a Damian Wayne as long as it's written by Grant Morrison. Um, <laughs> I like this movie uh, when I like it. It's, it's like everyone else has been saying. I think that for some bloody reason... Uh, Zack Snyder um, cannot figure out Superman. He does not know what makes Superman awesome, but he really does nail Batman and Wonder Woman. I think that both of those characters are fantastic in this movie. And for that, it is Grant Morrison writing Damian Wayne. <laughs> Very good. I see where you're going there. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, look, I like the things of this. I thought, you know, Affleck did a fine job. I think with what they had with Batman was fine. And again, they don't, you know, Zack Snyder, I don't think, like Superman. I mean, I think we've seen that in two Superman movies now. Much like Burton didn't like Batman, he doesn't like Superman. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I had fun with the few things that I did, but for the most part, like, even during a lot of the action scenes, surprisingly, I was fairly bored. I was like, man, I really wish something was going on. And I had to pay the extra bread for the 3D and everything, and it's just like it just did not uh, deliver on what I was hoping. And I just... You know, I mean, you know, hey, Snyder, you hate Superman. Let's get him the heck out of there. Let's just do a bloody Batman movie at this point. Um, but as much as, like, I, I liked I liked Affleck, I liked Wonder Woman, and at the end of the day I was going, man, I really wish there was more Wonder Woman in this. She's, a, you know, an interesting character when you see the old flashback photo there and everything, and you old Chris Pine in that sucker too. Um, but, you know... It's interesting that way, but we never really go down those territories and we just kind of look at some awesome visuals and really have a story that's kind of, you know, not very satisfying in the end. And we have a Lex who's just goes, you know, cuckoo bonkers in the nut house there. And there's no real reason why. I mean, think about what had happened. Like even another stinger uh, that you could have had there at the end uh, would be, guess what? Daddy's come home to roost and Brian Cranston comes in as Lex proper. And you were just like, this was whole kind of like a tease. <laughs> that would be good. That, was, that would have been good. That was a tease. We are just like, now I got to go and, like, you know, my boy's messed up, so now I'm going to go out and take over. And then, you know, maybe he could be like, uh, you know, what, what's, his, uh, what's his face in, uh, in, in Donner Superman where he's going, oh, Mr. Luthor, call him father. Come on, father. <laughs> what are we doing, father? Let's Otis, go over. Talking about Otis? Yeah, he could be Otis. And then, like, Otis Otisville. would get it. And then he'd get a bullet to the head, and then we just kind of all move on and go, thank God we've righted this ship. Uh, but so overall, I'm going to go as, as of right now. And again, I will see this again and I'll update, uh, as of later. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go Stephanie Brown at this point. I'm just not, wasn't digging it as Ooh. much as I really wanted to. I honest wow. to God, I wanted to, but it just, it didn't hit me, man. And, but Ooh. I, but is, I think, it beca is it because Superman was Dragon Ball Zing the dirt <laughs> on his coffin? It's a lot of, there's a bit of that going on. So, so when Superman comes back to life, you know, when Superman lives, is there even a slight chance we might get Nick Cage? We need some steel. We need uh, if eradicator. If if nothing else, we need little steel uh, to get up in. Yeah, that man, we that'd be great if the next movie was the whole uh, battle for Superman's role for Metropolis, and they did bring back Shaq in his steel costume. They go back over, and then uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Affleck sitting around the table just going, 
God, I hope they don't go back to that part of the movie. No, I will say this, though. <laughs> I will say this. You know what I am looking forward to that we saw a trailer for this? I don't know if you guys got it in your theaters. The Batman Lego movie? Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes. Yes to all of that jazz, man. That's what I want. I'm just like, please, that can't come fast enough. Uh, so that's it, everybody. Next week, uh, we've gonna got the second half of Daredevil. So we reviewed episodes one through six last week. We got Man of, or, uh, Batman v Superman, the Dawn of Justice. Good grief. It's like, a, uh, what's, the, what's the cat's name that did the uh, Death of Superman Lives? What happened movie? We got the same guy who named stuff here. Um, John, John Schnapp. That's what it is. John Schnapp. Uh, so... We're going to be doing that uh, second half of Daredevil come next week. And then after that, uh, you know, episode 100, everybody. So it, send us all your, uh, you know, questions, uh, compliments, whatever. Enjoy the uh, kind of fun navel gazing that will be episode 100 at uh, hearmoviepodcast at gmail.com or just drop us something on the Facebook page. And speaking of dropping, how about you drop on down to the iTunes, give us a five star review, aka Humdingham. And that would really help this show get out and reach other people like you who enjoy these kinds of nerdy things. Uh, until then, Bruce, where can we find more of your work on the internet, sir? Chubbywizard.com. We've uh, always got our weekly Chubby Wizard episodes. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about Batman v Superman there with uh, co-host Chris Elvins. Mm -hmm. And if you want to check out Heroes and Villains, uh, Heroes and Villains podcast or heroesandvillains.libson.com, uh, I just put up yesterday a nice episode on Barbara Gordon. I felt a little uh, disappointed that uh, Barbara Gordon was cut from this movie, so I gave her her own episode of Heroes and Villains to make up for it. It's a Don shame. Mr. Keenan. Hi, you can always reach me at uh, Handsome Boy Keenan Productions, Handsome Boy Keenan for all of your film needs, and also on Twitter at Hero Movie Sean. And Matt, tell them about our show. Oh, you want to you wanna track us down on at the film find? Because you can follow us over there if you're not already. You can uh, also just listen to us. We do a weekly podcast, much like this one. There's more cursing and not as many superheroes. Uh, so do with that what you will. You can follow me personally at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith on Twitter. Um, and I do ra uh, run the Film Find Twitter uh, for a little while now. Um, Although Adam's on there occasionally as I well. I jump on it every now and then. And, of course, you can follow this podcast at uh, Hero Movie Pod on the tweets, Instagrams, all that kind of good jazz. Follow us on the Facebooks, all that stuff, iTunes reviews. You guys know the drill. Thank you so much, uh, everybody out there. We've kind of seen our numbers growing week after week and after week and everything. And we want to thank all of you for doing that, sharing the podcast with a friend, just kind of help getting the word out there. And I want to take half a second here uh, to, uh, you know, big shout out to my boy Mars over at Trick or Treat Radio. He's been going through a lot of stuff lately, had to get like a lot of surgeries and stuff like that. But your boy's getting through and uh, he's surviving good on that. So that's pretty awesome. So nothing but ups for that guy. And uh, he's mentioned us on his show uh, many a time there. So we appreciate that. But uh, hope you get, hope you get better there, buddy. That is it, everybody. Until next week, we talk about the second half of Season 2 of Daredevil. For Matt Smith, Sean Keenan, Bruce Leslie, I'm Adam Portress. Stay super, everybody. Bye, Marty and Evie. <laughs>